Join the big show Thursday from 3 to 6 at Homie. 10355 South Jordan Gateway in South Jordan. 10355 South Jordan Gateway in South Jordan. All right, PK, we're about to talk with uh, Lincoln Kennedy here, our weekly visit with the Pac-12 Network and Raider analyst. But first, on the question, because we both got hit with this yesterday, what about ASU and all the dirty play? Well, something was going wrong, because Herm did apologize. But I think the play that really infuriated Ute fans, first off, if you're watching on TV, one of the penalties on the, the touchdown drive when there were three was downfield and they never showed it to us. So I don't know how Ute fan can be outraged about that. We literally never saw it. The second one was Zach Moss and the helmet-to-helmet hit, which, you know, and the, the player, now I forget the name of the guy, who was kicked, yeah, who got kicked out. And he was furious going to the locker room. You could see him. Because he did lead with the crown of his helmet, so he set himself up. There, there's yeah. that. Oh, he set himself up. But he was clearly looking at Zach Moss thinking, I'm going in low. I'm not taking this guy on. That's a smart thing to do. Zach Moss is a big dude, and so he's going in low. It won't be helmet to helmet. But then one of his teammates is dragging Zach down, and so Zach's dropping, and he's dropping his helmet to helmet. We've seen that with receivers a lot. It's bad luck. Don't lead with the crown of your helmet. But we've seen this happen more than once. But you you can't assign any intent to that. It just happened. And that was the ugliest play in the game. Well, it depends on what your fandom is if you're a Ute fan you think it was dirty like there's a guy who does his name is Chris Cartman Sun Devil whatever and I'm looking at the stuff here and he shows one of the linebacker hitting a receiver and, they, and the linebacker is looking at the quarterback and bumps into the receiver and they call a personal foul a blind side and so you read Darian is 100% staring at Huntley and unintentionally collided that is not a personal foul another one how the hell was that a flag <laughs> so it's just where whatever your allegiance is that it's dirty, and we'll play af- after we get done with Lincoln Kennedy. We can play uh, Herm yesterday. If you're, yeah, if you if you're an ASU fan, oh no no no. If you're a Utah fan, no, that was all dirty. But when Utah commits uh, targeting, oh, that's a bogus call because you're a fan. Lincoln Kennedy, Pac-12 Networks Raider analyst, joins us now on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Get $100 off the redesigned Apple Watch 4 with a new line of service. Visit the local Sprint store near you. Lincoln, good morning. Good morning, guys. Sounds like you're talking about officiating. <laughs> you know, uh, talking about fan reaction. because uh, the Utah oh, okay. fans are up in arms. The ASU's dirty. and ASU fans, no, those were bad calls or they're clean hits or what have you. You know how that goes. You've been around for a long time. It's Whatever your fandom yeah. is determines if it's dirty or clean. True story. Yeah, very true, very true. So did you play against teams you thought were really dirty or sometimes the game's physical and the refs think they got to control it so they throw a lot of flags? As you got hit with 12 penalties in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I saw that stat. Um, no, I, I never played, I've never played against a team that, was, uh, that we thought was like notoriously dirty. But, I mean, come on, I was a Raider, so we saw plenty <laughs> of flags in my career, um, whether they were fair or not. So, uh, But, no, it's... It, I do think there's a part of the game on both levels, collegiate and pro, where they're 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 over officiating. I think they're trying so hard to show that the game is safer, and they're trying to promote safety that they're really deterring from the fact that we're this is a physical game. I mean, I was stunned, you know, a couple of weeks ago when we were in London. I was stunned the fact that you know Vontez Burfick was suspended for the rest of the year for being too rough. That was the official cause. 
he was too rough and too violent. We're talking about a violent game. But, I mean, this is, this is where we've come to. This is where our society has come to, especially when it goes to football. Uh, and the whole targeting rule in both college and pro has left a lot up to interpretation by the fans because even as a commentator and an analyst, there are still many times where you can slow something down on the camera and make it look way more egregious than it actually was. Um, but, you, but trying to um, diffuse or understand if the, the intent of the player there is really hard to pick up because you can't know what's going through their mind at that, at that point. So when you get in a game, it was clear that this game Saturday night was a, a lo- huge stakes. Utah, <laughs> bunch of seniors, they've been there, the Devils, a bunch of freshmen, and even if they're not freshmen, they haven't played in this type of game with potential you know, national rankings on the line. SC still is first place and all that, but uh, conference standings with huge implications. So it was clear the Devils lost their composure with the 12 penalties. I don't have any problems saying right. that as an ASU fan myself. So I'm wondering how in those games when it's chippy and physical and it's two teams, a little bit of a rival going on here, playing each other every year, they won't miss since they're both in the South. You as a player, particularly as a lineman, when you're getting smacked and smacking every single play, how do you control your emotions? You can't. There's really not a control of motion. Look, football to me has always been um, what I like to refer to as a game of controlled violence. And what I mean is between the whistles, anything goes. Anything can happen within reason, of course. But that's where you have to start looking at it. And it doesn't matter your age. The thing is that, as you mentioned, if you're a senior-laden team like Utah is, you've been down this road, you want to prove all the naysayers wrong, you want to make up for when you slipped in the past, you want to finally achieve something. ASU is on the verge of, um, you know, even though they've had some success this year, they're still a pretty young team. And, and they'll use this as a learning experience, this game, which is what you know both coaching staffs want. Because you, if you're Utah, you want to show that you can fight one of those hard-fought games and win. If you're ASU, you want to learn from your mistakes, learn that these, these, um, these penalties really cost you in a way where you know, the turnovers and everything else. You want, to, you want to make sure that you don't repeat them again because you want to have another chance at, at, at you know, being a big, big deal. You've got to be better than that than, you've been, than they played this last game. So Cal's defense has looked just awesome all year long. The offense with Garber right. seemed to score twenty something points every week, and they were four and zero. Now they've gone seventeen seven seventeen without him. They haven't gotten to twenty points. They've lost three in a row. Uh, Tyler Huntley says he's going to play. Now, I don't know that we're all convinced to be one hundred percent, but he says he's going to play. So knowing that, how comfortable, how confident should Ute fans be leading into this game? Well, look, there, again, this is a time of year where Utah has, in the past, has slipped, um, and they can't afford to slip. I mean, to be completely honest with you guys, you know, when you look at the rankings, you've got Oregon at 11, Utah at 12. And I know Utah is going in for a game. You can't overlook anybody because the best way the Pac-12 has a chance, and I know Utah is not concerned about it, but it's, you know, forward thinking. The best way for the Pac-12 to have a chance to be a part of the playoff they have to win out. Oregon has to win out. They have to play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game, and then that, that winner will have a great shot of being a part of the playoff. So you can't afford to slip up. But Cal, in reference to the Cal game, Cal is definitely a defensive-laden team. Um, and, 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 and I'm absolutely certain that Wilcox has put his influence, uh, head coach of the Cal Bears has put his influence on this team, and they play like gangbusters. Their secondary is lights out. 
And, you know, they've got their All-American linebacker, who's Mr. Everything, Evan Weaver, uh, can run from sideline to sideline. So it's going to be a tall task for a team like uh, Utah. But more importantly, the thing is you've got to continue to play or try to play mistake-free football and, and stick with your identity, which is run the ball and play defense. And if they do that, I, st- I still think they'll outscore Cal because uh, Cal is really struggling in the offensive side of the ball. You think the North is done now with Oregon? Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's a sealed deal. I do. I, I, I don't. I don't really see Oregon slipping up unless they just. I mean, I mean, unless they just overlook somebody and, and play down to a level. I don't see them slipping up. More acceptable slip among the top two teams: Utah blowing that game at SC or Oregon blowing the game to Auburn. <sighs> probably, probably Oregon blowing the game to Auburn because. There were times even in the Washington game where Justin Herbert didn't look himself uh, or didn't look comfortable. And if he's going to be a big-time quarterback, probably a top-five draft choice, he's going to have to play better in those high-pressure situations. He came back in that Washington game and played better in the second half, and that's one of the reasons why they were able to win. So when you look at it just on a timeline reference, you go from that Auburn game and you see the growth of the team, I think you can, you can make the reference that Oregon uh, has learned from that Auburn loss. And I know at, well Utah – where I see as I learned as well. But, again, it's we got to still wait and see how Utah finishes this thing off. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought that look, that game in Seattle the other day, I thought from the defensive perspective, you know, they, they're, they're pretty good. But I was impressed by the offense being able to do what they yeah. needed to do. In my mind, not only is Oregon going to win the South – but I think right now, and it's subject to change, but I think right now they're the favorite to win the conference in the title game. Do you see it that way? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they've got some vulnerabilities, uh, Oregon does, but I, I think, you know, with quarterback play and offensive powers, I mean, offensive presence that they have and where they are at, uh, at managing and some of the games and critical games, and we'll see again them this week as well, um, I think Oregon is, is a favorite. Lincoln Kennedy joining us here, Pac-12 Networks and Raider Analyst. So, as you handicap USC coming down the stretch here, because the Utes need them to lose one game for sure, and if the Utes have one of those stumbles, then they need them to lose two. How many do you think SC is losing down the line? I think everybody's looking at Oregon as the one they're most likely to lose. Uh, What are the odds how you handicapping this SC stretch? Well, you know what? Um, Let me try to find... SC's schedule. I don't know who the remaining schedule is. I think their biggest games are right Oregon and ASU. So, so you know, you're going up against two pretty good teams. SC is dangerous because they still have star power, even though they have you know, little slight inconsistencies at quarterback. Um, but I don't think SC is as good as the team their record shows. And, and that's just the best way to put it. So, going up against Oregon and, and possibly if ASU sh- uh, shows up, you know that, that I think that they'll lose. They can possibly lose both of those games, but I think they lose to Oregon. Um, I'm still out on on the consistency of ASU's offense and right. their ability to score. They have uh, they got a couple road games at Colorado and Cal, and that Colorado is actually their next game uh, on the road. Oh, okay, but I'm curious about going to ASU and Cal back to back. Really good teams can handle back to back road games, but if you're not really good, you tend to lose one of those. And that's that's where I'm thinking. I didn't have this schedule up in front of me. I, I think they will slip up because I don't think their record is, is is truly an indicator of how good they are. 
who's uh, whose record you don't think is an indicator how good they are? FC's. FC's record. Okay, so you think they're better than their record? Is that what you're saying? No, 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 no. I misfit. They're not as good as their record. Okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Sorry about that. Yeah. If, if they went out, they'd be a nine and three team, and they look like a seven or yeah. eight win team to you, not a nine win team. Uh, that's that's exactly well, that's how I feel. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think as from Utah's perspective, to just to make sure that you're in the driver's seat, you know, win, beat Cal, and then the November schedule, uh, the last three games. You've got the Bruins, the the Wildcats, and then Colorado, obviously. So what it boils down to is not this week, but next week. If you win in Seattle, then I think they're fine. They should be able to win the division. If you lose in Seattle, well, then probably SC would need to lose most likely to Oregon, which I think we put as an L, but then somebody else. And it looks like on paper anyway that somebody else right now that best chance is in Tempe against the Devils. Yeah, that I mean that's a that's a likely scenario. Again, I just want to see Utah get over this. What is it? Late season hump. Yeah, and that's I mean, a fair assessment. You know that that's a big thing to me because I think they're talented enough to to really uh, go all the way. I think they're talented enough to win the South. I've seen enough of them to say that I, I feel honestly they're talented enough to win the South. Lincoln Kennedy join us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I'm curious, as you pointed out earlier, you know, you're a Raider. Uh, I'm curious what you think about mental toughness in sports and what people say and how it goes to their mindset. I don't know if you saw it, but Kyle Van Hoy is a big deal here because he played at BYU, and so Cougar fans still remember him fondly. He was great in college. He's playing well for the Patriots, and he could not get past it when the media told him after the Monday night game that Sam Darnold said he was seeing ghosts. Now, Darnold was awful. He's 11 of 32. He threw for like 68 yards in the game. He threw four picks and no touchdowns in that shutout loss. But he said he was seeing a ghost, and you could just hear in Kyle's response that even if you are, you just can't say that. You're, you're showing weakness, and I wonder what you think when you hear something like that. Maybe, and maybe it's different than what you would have thought as a player. Maybe you've evolved over time. Well, I mean, I, I think our society is, in a lot of ways is notoriously going soft in many respects. I, I think that people are getting away from Face to face interaction, man to man, and talk, and want to go to either social media or some sort of electronic device to get their opinion across. I'm not saying that it hasn't been present before, but even more so today. And then other people don't know how to react to it, so they're not as mentally strong, in my opinion, or can't withstand the the the, the, the comments or you know even the even any type of you know the, what am I saying ridicule or anything like that. People are mentally soft. And so when you hear a quarterback, and I agree, if you're a quarterback, you can't let that be known. Okay, yeah, you played a good team. They're undefeated. But you don't, all I saw was ghosts because I I just can't get over this defense. You don't say that. You know what? They're a good football team. But they don't know how to handle that. People don't know how to talk these days. (laughs) And I think we as a society, in many respects, the generations is, is getting softer and softer. And this is more evidence of that. So you saw the Raiders go into Green Bay, and watching that game, I want your perspective, but it looks to me like Aaron Rodgers is as good as ever. Oh, he is. <laughs> There's no, no, no doubt about it, he is. The thing about Aaron Rodgers, and I said this on the broadcast, is that Aaron Rodgers is, is definitely an elite quarterback, but one, the thing that sets him apart you know, from a number of quarterbacks um, is the fact that 
coming before he even gets the ball, he knows where he's going with it. He'll see a running back, for example, in, in the game they had running back versus linebacker matchups, and he knew he had an advantage with his running backs. And he put it outside the numbers to where he protected the ball from possibly being tipped and intercepted, and he allowed his playmakers to make plays. He picked apart the Raiders, and really there was nothing the Raiders could do to stop him. Absolutely nothing to do. So when you saw you see a performance like that, I've seen it out of Tom Brady. I've seen it out of Drew Brees. I've seen it out of the quote-unquote elite quarterbacks in this National Football League. But it's, it, it's never ceased to amaze me when you see it again and again how accurate and how, uh, and, you know, how uh, deliberate he is with the ball. So we've heard a lot over the years about football. The key is you've got to be able to play defense and you got to run the ball, and that's a championship team. Now, Kyle Whittingham's been yeah. saying that for years, and you fans are dying for the passing game to be a little better. This year it's a little better, and look at this, they're ranked 12th in the country. Alabama, right. though, everything Kyle's been saying, if you heard it come out of Nick Saban, you wouldn't actually be surprised. It doesn't seem like the teams look that different. And if you take it to the NFL, the Niners are second in the NFL team rushing and they've got a killer defense. The Patriots have a killer defense, although the Patriots aren't right. that good at running the ball. So do you believe in the pass-happy era and Aaron Rodgers and you know another handful of quarterbacks, Brady, Breeze, uh, on down the line, dominate the game? But can the Niners and the Patriots ride awesome defense, recognizing the Patriots get to ride Brady, too? Remember the air raid offense of Wazoo? How did that turn out for them? <laughs> Three conference <laughs> losses already out of the race. Exactly. So the, the thing is, is that you know, it certainly looks good to see you be able to go sideline to sideline, throw the ball around like that. But when it comes down to it, and especially when the weather gets bad later in the year and the winters and stuff like that, running the football and playing defense is going to is definitely going to be your, for me, be your best formula for winning. Now, the difference, you know, most of the difference, or the obvious difference between Utah and Alabama, is the fact that Alabama's been doing it for a decade. They've been winning. They've been winning national championships with the same formula. And even times when they try to open up the passing game, it really wasn't necessarily indicative of how they are. But they've had playmakers at wide receiver. They've had playmakers at quarterback. And so you've seen some flashes of them possibly opening up and going to a spread. But when it comes down to it, you've seen Nick Saban and Alabama Crimson Tide do it over and over again. He hands the ball out to those big backs, and they run behind that big offensive line, and they pound people in submission, and then they play solid defense on the other side. That is still the same formula for winning. All those teams that you mentioned in the National Football League are going to have success on the end, towards the end of the year as they push into for the playoffs. They're going to win in November and January. They're going to, I mean, November and December and to play in January. And that's what, and it's going to be the same thing. They're going to play defense and they're going to run the football. Lincoln Kennedy talking all things football. Pac-12 Network analyst, Raider analyst. Lincoln, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a wonderful day.